thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man Scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man Scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats. No, uh, well, I mean, we do what we always do, which is just free ball it. Free ball. All right. Freestyle. All right, I got it. Free ball. <laughs> I am wearing pants and underwear, don't worry. That, All right, the last thing I said was like, we're talking about Northern Colorado, right? Okay, you got to come out, come out of that. <laughs> free ball. Okay. All right, Thorny. Let's start off talking about. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Try it again. Try it again. <laughs> uh, what is happening right now? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, we got such a long episode to go. Yeah, we're all right. Not right. We haven't even talked about the game yet. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletes. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome back, Bobcat fans, and thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. My name is Ryan Foley. Across the state from me, joined virtually, is my buddy, Ryan Thornburg. We are part of the Big Sky Podcast Network, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and we are sponsored by Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewing dank beers in Great Falls, Montana. <laughs> Man, I forgot all about that second. With the second tap room over in Quarter Lane, Idaho, still brewing those dank beers. I love it, man. I'm not. I'm gonna ride that for a while. <laughs> you got to work it into an ad. That's definitely got to be the next ad. We got to record a new ad at some point here. People are probably tired of that. <laughs> <laughs> same one we've been rolling out for like 50 episodes now. Yeah, Jeremiah Johnson's gonna start brewing. Uh, or putting out stickers, you know, with the word "dank" on him. I, I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna start something. I'm gonna start a movement for Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> Bringing the word dank back, making it cool again. <laughs> right on. Hey, thanks for joining us, guys. We always appreciate your listens and interactions on this podcast. It's just getting better as the years go by. More and more people are reaching out to us. We're getting more and more emails, more and more calls, texts. It's just awesome to hear some of your thoughts and uh, 
and some of your feedback as well. We put out recently a, an episode called the R&R CatCast After Dark. If you didn't catch it, we would encourage you to go back and listen to it. We are trying a quick reaction and instant take episode after the game on Saturday, a quick hitter. It's like a 20-minute episode. Ryan and I are just giving our gut reaction to the game. So if you would like a shorter version or just want some content from, there's like this content desert, I, I call it, from like Monday or from Saturday to Monday. There's nothing going on in the Montana State world besides the chatter on the board. So if you're looking for something to plug into, Ryan and I are trying to put out some content for you guys there. So please go check that out. Yeah, I'm sure like... uh. Anyone else that's like your desire to talk about the game is the greatest, like right after the game. So, um, we got it, we got around to doing it ourselves. And I'm sure, uh, you know, other people are in the same mood as us and will enjoy listening to it as well. Check it out. Yep. All righty. Well, on today's episode, we are going to recap the Northern Colorado game that was on Saturday. It was a glorious Saturday. Holy cow. I'm going to talk a little bit about the game day atmosphere here in a moment. But wow, Montana State was just blessed with a beautiful afternoon. So we'll get into that. Uh, pretty standard episode. We're going to talk about the news. We'll talk about the stats, maybe some injuries, and what's going on with that. And then uh, Ryan and I are going to get into the game day breakdown. And then we'll preview the upcoming game that we have this weekend in Bozeman against Cal Poly. Bo Baldwin's coming back to Bozeman. As well as we will have some Golden Cooley questions. A bold prediction. I did write down a bold prediction, Thorny. Uh, I got to tell me ahead of time. All right. I got a whole, I got a whole episode <laughs> to think of something. Okay. I got it. Okay. Then Thorny, if we do have time and if it's, if it's not going too long, I did write down, I'm going to bring back the buyer sell. I do have a couple of buyer okay. sell questions. As long as I don't have to do anything, then I'm fine with these. <laughs> do whatever you want. As long as it doesn't right. require any homework on my side. <laughs> okay. But before we do anything, we do have our golden coolies. Uh, that are filled with beer. Thorny, what's in yours? The Golden Cooley question is in what's in the Golden Cooley. I'm finishing off the last one, man. My final dancing trout from Bayern. This is my <laughs> third time I've had it on the show. I decided <laughs> what better way to celebrate kind of the the last two really just not very good games on the Bobcat schedule. I'm hoping, I mean, maybe there's one or two more, but Cal Poly and Northern Colorado by finishing off my my least favorite beer I've had in my fridge in a while. So here it is, my Danton Trout, finishing it off. Mercy mercy drink here just to get it out of the out of the fridge. But you know what? It tastes better after I've already had a Michelob Ultra for some reason. You know, most beers taste better after another beer. <laughs> Things taste better. So, all right. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's done. It's done. It's what, like are you, what are you drinking over there? Hopefully something more exciting <laughs> in mind. I feel... Yeah, I feel like that's you're so lazy, man. Like I make a concerted effort to the least get something new. All do right. you though? Hey, do you? How many times have you been I do. drinking rainier lately? Well, you know that's <laughs> you know that's the on deck beer, right? We always have our on deck beers. So yeah, again, sure. I do have that in my golden coolie tonight. I actually have a pour from a growler from Perry Street. I got their Oktoberfest, and I've been searching out the Oktoberfest. They make a great one. Um, yeah, it's delicious. And so my wife and I are, you know, when you tap that growler, when you, when you break the seal on the growler, you only have a limited amount of time. So I know my wife is having a pint of, yeah, <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> there you go. 
caught me off guard on that one. Uh, so <laughs> Olivia's got a, a point upstairs and uh, I'm helping her out on that. Oh, what a what a good husband you are. <laughs> I'm going to drink the beer. Woo. I know, you know, my doing my duty. All right. Hey, uh, let's get into some injury stuff. And then we're going to talk about the stats polls. Um, nothing really new on the injury. I listened to the presser today. Uh, the only major news about the injury stuff is one Tyrell Thomas is expected to play snaps this coming week. That's good. He's been, he's been dressed, I think the last two weeks, but he's been used for only emergency duty is what Brent, Brent vegan, man, I gotta get that you down. Man. Stop Coach that. vegan. <laughs> I call him Brett all the time. I think our, in our very first episode where we talked about the hiring of him, he's like, is, is it Brent or Brett? And it was like, since then, it's just been in your head, and now you can't shake it. No, man. It's, I got the yips when it comes <laughs> gotta, to seeing Coach had, had Vegan's on name. One. Anyway, continue on your merry way. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. So expect to see Tyrell Thomas. Apparently, uh, Flores. Uh, a medium member, Victor, Victor Flores. Victor Flores yeah. yeah. He put out a tweet today that said that Troy Anderson, you know, is Troy Anderson injured or not? That was the big question in Bobcat land. Well, according to Mr. Flores, he was just rested in the second half. I couldn't glean anything from the presser. So I'm just going to assume that's correct. It's hard, man. You don't know what kind of gamesmanship would be involved around Troy Anderson from like, Brent Vegan side, who knows, man? Um, I hope that's true. <laughs> I, I have no reason to believe it's not true, but you just never know a Troy Anderson, man. <laughs> He's a myth. He's a legend. He is. He is, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's get into the FCS stats poll that came out today. Montana State is now a top 10 team in the nation. Finally. Thorny. We did it. What do you think about that? We cracked the By top yourself. 10. By ourselves. By ourselves, Montana Buy or sell, Montana State's a top 10 team in the nation. I am buying it. Like it's, And this is something I don't know if we'll talk about now. We'll talk about later. I think we talked a little bit about before we started recording. Are we a top 10? Like, are we that – have we really played anybody? Are we really the team that's deserving of the ranking, that's deserving of any sort of hype? Um, at the moment, I am currently thinking yes. Um, I feel fine about top 10 ranking. How about you? I'm buying it, man. Uh, I, I don't want to get into that conversation right now because I feel like there's a big talking point into where we're at. But sure. if I'm just doing a quick buy or sell, uh, I'm, I'm buying Montana State as a top 10 team. Uh, let's right. run down a little bit more of the big or the, the stats FCS poll. Just for Big Sky teams, Eastern and Montana flip-flopped four and six. So Eastern's now at four, Montana's six. Montana State, like I said, is 10. And then I think you have to scroll all the way down to number 19 where Weber State was holding last week. <sighs> just a little bit on Weber. Weber's going, we're going to play Weber in two weeks. And it's just kind of, we just getting jobbed on it because Weber's going into a bye week right now where they're just getting healthy. And then we play Weber on a Friday night, so a shortened week. Man, I just think that's that's just kind of a, you know, it is what it is, it but is what it's it unfortunate is. for Montana State to get that yeah. kind of draw when we're traveling to to Ogden to play a really meaningful game on a big scale. So it might be bumped on into ESPN, ESPN too. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully. Man, I guess there's precedent now. So, I think it went pretty well. 
Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll we'll get into more of that next week. So you did skip a UC FCS. Davis at number seven there. I did. Yeah, pretty sure. Oh my word. UC <laughs> yeah, UC Davis, uh, number seven. Well, Can't apparently they're doing all right too. Squeaking out a win <laughs> over uh, Idaho. Yeah, Hunter Rodriguez is not playing. He's hurt right now. So uh, around the Big Sky, actually, there's been a lot of hurt quarterbacks. So there is. as uh, one of the media members put out there today, it feels like the triage season has started. Speaking of uh, around the Big Sky, so last week you would have noticed that we started a segment called Around the Big Sky. We went around and gave all the scores from the games. But then I think we decided to change it up and maybe make that part of our our Saturday night instant reaction episode. But we still had two games going live while we were doing the instant reaction show. So I think we should at least uh, finish the Around the Big Sky from Saturday because two games were still going live there. All right, Thorny, take us into it, man. I don't have it pulled up, so it's on you, brother. Uh, Dang it, I wasn't ready to actually talk about it because I was doing this all on the fly. I'm pretty sure UC Davis beat Idaho 27-20 to in a pretty... Uh, close game in Davis. I think they had to score late there to kind of pull away from uh, the Roaring Vandals there. So I think uh, UC Davis was able to escape with the 27-20 to 20 victory. I think the game was tied 20-20 to 20 at the time that we were recording, if I remember correctly. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting win for Davis, but uh, keep them in the top 10. It was a good showing by Idaho as well. They had been really struggling lately, so good on them. All right, I'm pulling it up right now. This is terrible podcast. The game of the week, of course, and neither of us have the score in front of us. I found it. Do you want me to? (laughs) I found it first. Do you want me to go with it? (laughs) Yeah, go, buddy. I got it too. All right. uh, So, yeah, the game that was bumped to ESPN2, the kind of the game of the week between two top 10, like six and four, and now still six and four, just flip flopped because of the result. Eastern Washington, 34 over the Grizz, 28 uh, points there. On a last-second heave by backup quarterback Chris Brown that was in the hands of the tight end for the Grizz, whose name is escaping me. It was a Grossman. I don't remember who it was, but it was in his hands. He had a pretty good shot at catching it. Fell incomplete there and gave the victory for, for Eastern Washington. And pretty exciting game, pretty entertaining game, just from like a completely like take any bias out of it. Like Two teams I don't like. Just but watching a, a big sky FCS football game on ESPN2 in the, on the big stage and an entertaining game with the full production crew was, was pretty cool. All right, thanks, Thorny, on that. And uh, we were not going to riff on the Eastern Grizz game all that much because uh, we're not big fans of the Eastern Eagles no. or the Grizzlies, and so we're not going to give them too much airtime on our I'll listen to their respective podcasts, which are fine podcasts, by the way, <laughs> Grizz Fan Pod and the Eagles Power Hour. Go listen to those. <laughs> all right. Hey, so let's get into uh, the Big Sky Power Rankings, Big Sky Podcast Power Rankings. Thorny, why don't you run down... Um, your top five for me. So, oh man. So I was actually, this is why I need to write it down. Cause now I'm, I'm looking at it again. Like, I don't remember what I did. Cause I, I could look at this like a day later and completely change my mind. But I had pretty sure at Eastern first, I'm pretty sure I put the Bobcat second. And I don't think too many Woo! other people did. I think they had, uh, looks like three second place votes. So it was you, me and some other, some other guy, probably another, um, Bobcat fan. Uh, I think I had. Davis at three. No, I I think I still had the Grizz at three. Davis and Weber, I believe. But I honestly, anywhere between two and three, two and four, like Davis, Grizz, and Cats, I could still flip them around. But you got to give Eastern number one spot after that big win. Exactly. 
I put Eastern at one, MSU at two, U of M at three. I still think Weber's going to, if they went up head-to-head with Davis, I still think Weber wins. Although, although they did play. Yeah, like they, Davis uh, did they mean a rematch? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I still think Weber's a better team and then uh, UC yeah. Davis. And so I play UC Davis at five. And so maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, well, but that's what I got. <laughs> it, it looks like it came out Eastern, Montana, Davis, Bobcats, and Weber from the rest of the, uh, the 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 group there. So that's the top five. And then really like, man, six, six through 13 is just throw a dart. I think it was pretty unanimous. Right? I think that Sac State is the sixth <laughs> ranked team according to the power rankings. But, you know, that's not saying a whole lot. And then it's just like, whatever after that. <laughs> it's just whatever. It's 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 real bad. Real bad in the bottom half of the big sky this year. All right, Thorny, let's talk about UNC. I'm going to mention the score just to get it off the off my chest. We beat the Fighting McCaffreys 40 to 7. That's a double cheer from the studio audience there for the victory, number one, but also remembering to say the score, something that uh, we're enticing ourselves to do because we forget it half the time. So, Extra incentive. We thought we'd put in a lap or not a lap track, a cheer track <laughs> to, to uh, remind us. So yeah, forty to seven victory in Bozeman in a game that sh- felt like it should have been like sixty to seven. What a weird game. We'll right. get into that. But uh, Bobcats absolutely dominated this one from uh, mostly start to finish. A, a few spotty things there in the second quarter, but twenty-two first downs for the Cats, just twelve for the Bears. The Bears were two for fifteen on third down, but the Bobcats not a whole lot better at three for twelve. Total yards, 233 for the Bears, 552 for the Bobcats on a perfect split, 276 to 276, passing to rushing. Um, Penalties, again, kind of reared up in their ugly head for the Bobcats, but in the end, only four penalties, but they're for 50 yards because they're always of the larger yardage variety, whereas, you know, the Bears had five penalties, but only 35 yards, so one more penalty and 15 less yards assessed. Um, the Cats did lose a fumble turnover there by Willie Patterson, the only turnover of the day. And the Cats kept their 30-game home uh, turnover streak, courtesy of Colton Poole, I believe, put that out on Twitter. Uh, 30 games now that the Cats have forced a turnover with three interceptions of Dylan McCaffrey. So, and overall, a dominating performance there by the the defense and the offense. Why don't you get into the individual stats there? Anything stand out to you there? You know, I was really impressed with Jaden Smith. He had four catches for 75 yards. Lance McCutcheon had four catches for 107 yards. Is that the Elijah first time Elliott all year that uh, someone has had as many catches as McCutcheon? <laughs> Probably, right? Elijah Elliott and Afonso both go over the, the century mark. Elliott had a, 107 yards on 11. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 107 yards on 11 carries. And Afonso had 2,414. Matt McKay, again, he's like, he's just a carbon copy of himself every week. I love it. So he was 15 for 23, 276 with his second highest uh, QBR rating, 197, uh, with two touchdowns with a completion rate of 65.2. That's pretty much like just, if if you look at it, all his games, that's just like the average of all of his games. Love it. (laughs) He's, he's, he's so good. Uh, so nothing there uh, to kind of dog on. So, yeah, those are the individuals. I want to do talk about the uh, other side. Dylan McCaffrey, 14 for 24 for 99 yards, a touchdown and three interceptions. 
not a good game. Not impressed with with him, a former four star, five star, top fifteen something or other, like super highly regarded quarterback coming out of high school, Michigan recruit, comes into Bozeman and just uh, you know, looks worse than like the Drake quarterback. <laughs> He had the one glove going. I think that probably affected. Oh, uh, yes. If yes, you're a quarterback a that wears the one glove, man, no, it's, you got to go with either two gloves, Teddy, two gloves, or no gloves. Okay. That's uh, the Ryan Foley theory <laughs> about quarterbacks. One glove, you're not going to play very well. <laughs> no, especially when it's like 75 degrees outside. Jeez Louise. All right. Hey, speaking of 75 degrees outside, I want to spend a little time before we start. Breaking down the game, talking about the game day atmosphere. Montana State had over 20,000 fans at this game. It's, I'm not a hunter. This must be like prime hunting season over in Bozeman, right? Or getting close to I don't think hunting season is open yet. Well, we'll see. There you go. I'm going to look like an (laughs) idiot, but, or sound like an idiot. However, I just, you know, when I was watching the game on on my computer and just seeing this, uh, the packed house, the amount of people that were there, I'm just really impressed. It's either that a Montana State just is it feels like its own momentum is just building on top of itself, and it's felt like that for 20 years probably now, to the point where we're just attracting large crowds. The game day atmosphere is elite. It just looks like so much fun. And golly, did it not just look like the perfect afternoon in Bozeman? It did. And it, and it looked so good on TV too. Like just the the stadium, like it may, maybe it takes a little bit, but like corner to corner, completely full of fans, the cool background there. Like it's just a picturesque thing to look at on TV and just fun to look at from uh, from the TV side of things since we can't be there. Yo, and they got the cat head on the BAC. Did you see Sharp, that? Yeah, it looks good. It looks good up there. Do you think it lights up? Do you think it glows? Oh, it has to. That thing oh, glows. Man, you know it glows. I hope it does. <laughs> I hope it does. I, I think that's does. the rumor on the Bobcat board anyway. I'm pretty sure it's going to light up <laughs> for a night game. All right. So, yeah. Aside from just being a, like a great atmosphere, it feels like Montana State has played the same game like four games in a row to me. I can see that. Yeah. You're playing like... Overmatched opponents at home, they're all just blurring together, really. They're all kind of the same results, same operation, same uh, kind of beatdowns. So, yeah, it's, a, it's a kind of an interesting way to think about it. I hadn't really thought about that, but it does kind of seem we're trapped in this this, this cycle. So, Thorny, since Wyoming, we've played the scores for Montana State have been 45-7, to 52-10, to 30-17, and 40-7. to 7. Over the last... Well, over the season, we've outscored our opponents 183 points to 60. That is the first in the big sky. First in the big sky. That's yeah, the, that's so the, that's the most differential points differential of any other big sky team. Yeah, if you go into the big sky stats and you take a look at where Montana's at, or excuse me, Montana State. Holy cow! You're fired. I will, I will say my prayer. I will say my prayers tonight. <laughs> Someone get me off the soundboard. <laughs> Montana State is ranked number one right now in defense and number two behind Eastern Washington in offense. Just kind of quietly because just our opponents haven't been, you know, big time opponents. And so we're taking care of business the way we should. 
but Montana State is quietly just, you know, just doing the right things right now. So piggybacking off the stats, I was actually looking at some of the stats today too, because I'm like, some of this is starting to really stand out. Like you can't miss it. We're actually uh, outgaining our opponents 2,327 yards to just 1,363, which is actually surprisingly only second in the Big Sky Conference. Eastern is actually doing better there, but like almost a thousand yards that we've gained more than our opponents. That's crazy. That's crazy. Cal Poly is on the complete opposite side of that. And we'll get to that later. I'm sorry. I shouldn't even say that, but uh, you know, we're, we're actually second in the big sky conference and third down percentage, which is a little surprising after our, uh, it felt like it was a huge struggle against Northern Colorado, but you know, we have a lot of stats that are really starting to stick out. And we're just quietly becoming like a, a dominating team. And uh, it's kind of weird not having any real hype around the Bobcats for how good they are and how well they're playing and the record we're having. I think a lot of the attention's on Weber, UC Davis, the Grizz, and Eastern, and we're just quietly sitting there back here just uh, just blowing the doors off everybody and just waiting our turn to prove ourselves in a big-time game. We're talking about Northern Colorado, right? I more to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thorny. Hey, let's kick it off. Let's talk about the offense. What are your thoughts? Two running backs over a hundred yards is the first thing that just jumps out to my mind. I loved seeing, I love seeing him, man. I love seeing Isaiah Fonze and Elijah Elliott get some carries and have some success. I feel like the offensive line did a really good job opening holes in this game too. What do you think of the running game? It's getting better each game, man. Uh, did we start off first quarter? We scored 17 points in the first quarter. It seemed like we could run at will. We were getting big gains, eight, 10 yards a carry. It felt like, and so I was really stoked to see that. I really like the balance of Afonso and Elliot. They feel slightly different. Like Afonso is just the dude, right? He's just the dude. He he's a guy that squirms through the hole. He's got three guys draped on him, but then he just like bounces off because he's his, he's so strong. And then he just bursts forward. I love watching Afonso run. But you know what I really like about Elijah Elliot? Feels like he's getting more patient. Like early yes. on, I, I, f- I felt like Elliot would just was too quick to hit the line, to hit the hole, and he was just missing it. And now he's, I feel like he's seeing the game. Maybe the game's slowing down for him a little, a little bit. But I really like what I'm seeing from Elijah Elliot. He looks like he's having a ton of fun out there. And man, just a compliment of Elliot and Afonso. What a treasure. Like it's so cool to watch those two guys just go at it. They run so like they have such different like skill sets, but they have the same like mentality. They're ex- both yeah. just like extremely tough. Like Elliot runs a lot, that same toughness that you see from Afonso. He runs into people. He doesn't shy away from contact. He keeps legs moving and he falls forward. He's only, I don't know, I don't have the weights up in front of him. He's got to be giving up twenty plus pounds to Afonso, but he's still he still fights like him. I love I love watching it and. Another thing I really liked from the running game too is we did this without like Matt McKay having to do much running from like the RPO type side of things. This was like giving the ball to the running back and letting them do their thing. And that's I think that's one of the biggest things that I like to see. wasn't It wasn't like gimmicky. It was a straight up hand the ball off to running back, beat the def- like just blow the defensive line off off the line and just find the holes and get into the second level. And that's what I love so much about it. That's what gave me such like optimism for the running game getting back not getting back on trap they haven't been bad all year but just like that's kind of more what we're used to seeing and what i've been looking for 
complement that was our passing game as well, right? The perfect complement, 276 yards to 276 yards. No, no other receiver had a bigger day. Well, no other receiver had a bigger day than Lance McCutcheon. Lance McCutcheon always has the biggest day. I just want to really <laughs> give given. props to Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith has been a guy I've been silently, not silently, silently rooting for, but vocally rooting for this whole season. And man, he got on the board. Four catches for 75 yards, I believe it was his stat line. He had a long of 42 or something in there. Man, Man, oh, did you watch him after that play? He caught the ball and just went down and juked a couple guys, made a couple moves, and then on the sidelines, you just saw him. Just the motion just pouring out of Jaden Smith. He, he, was he was fired so up. hyped. He was fired up. I was so stoked for him. So nice job, Jaden. I love watching you play. Yeah, he's a, he has really good balance for how tall he is. You wouldn't think a guy like that could have that kind of balance and be able to like bounce off of uh, tackles like that, but it was really good to see it. I think we both have... like knowing that he's capable of doing it. And I'm glad to see it actually come into fruition in a game. And I hope that he builds on that because we need, we've talked about this in the last, on the last episode, we need more than just Lance McCutcheon out there if we're going to really make a run at this thing. So good to see him step up and, uh, you know, good to see Andrew Patterson coming out of nowhere and catch a 44 yard <laughs> touchdown pass. I didn't, didn't even know he's in the game. Like, has he, he hasn't really played very much. I didn't think. I know I the coaching staff's been high play. on him. There's been some like uh, hype coming out of like spring camp of how fast he is, and he's just this you know, talented little f- freshman. But <laughs> you know, McKay drops back, and he's getting looks like he gets like creamed and gets the ball at the last second and over the middle to a, just uh, everyone's going the other direction. It was a very odd looking play, but Patterson catches the ball and just just burns for 44 yards. Just <laughs> goes into like speed mode there. That was that was impressive, and uh, you know. We got a lot of talent in the receiver room. We just got to find someone who can produce consistently alongside Lance McCutcheon. I watched that Patterson highlight. It feels like it just gets turned on to like 1.5x. <laughs> That's right. It just He just burns everybody. It's like, oh my gosh, where is that coming from? Well done, Andrew. Well done. So I'm excited to watch that guy in the future. I'm like, let's get that guy the ball, right? We did have eight All different right. receivers catch a ball this game. Mm. That's pretty impressive. Like we've had a few of those games where we've had like six or seven guys catch the ball. And this was the most evenly split. McCutcheon with four, Smith with two, Andrew Patterson had the one. Willie Patterson had two. He's the only other person that had more than one. And then everyone else won. Pickering, Afonso, Elliott, and Snell all had a catch. So I love it. Some more passes to the tight ends, spreading the ball around. You can't really key in on one guy. You could key on Lance McCutcheon if you want to. Probably still, gonna, he's probably still going to catch the ball. But now, you know, you know that McKay is going to find someone else uh, when he needs to. Just a parting thought on the offense for me, Ryan. I think you could say that's about the the Bobcats in general. But just speaking to the offense, it feels like the Bobcats are getting better each week, like incrementally better each week, and it's just really cool to see. Because in years past, like in the the old regime, was just run, run, run. We knew what to expect, and we would just like lament the pass. Uh, before that, in the Rob Ash era, it was all gas, no brakes, and it was just electric. For right? some of the now, I feel some like some of the Ash era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but right now, I feel like Montana State has just such a good balance between the run and the in the pass. We're getting more guys involved every week. It seems. Man, I, I just really like where we're heading offensively. I, I want to give props to Taylor Housewright. We were pretty critical of him last week. Uh, 
And I think he just had a really good game plan. Uh, we'll talk about the second quarter here in a little bit because, again, a little bit kind of a head scratcher. Yeah, we got to get to that. However, I'm pretty impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really good to see House Wright coming along and, uh, you know, I'm just getting better every game. So when do you want to talk about the second quarter? Do you want to just get it right into that right now? Yeah, let's do let's that. Let's do it. So second quarter definitely had some lulls offensively and defensively. Um, we talked about this on the little instant reaction show we did too. You know, that might have been the worst defensive drive I've seen from ones, twos, or threes, any unit all year from the Bobcats. I'm not entirely sure what happened there. I know Troy Anderson was out of the game at the time. Uh, Danny Yu was in, I think. Uh, there was another, maybe another backup linebacker, and I think maybe Callahan O'Reilly was out. I don't know why there's seven guys in at that moment, but, uh, you know, Northern Colorado just marched right down the field and scored a pretty easy touchdown. Pretty, uh, probably the easiest touchdown drive I've seen against the Bobcats all year. So what, what did you think of, what do you think about uh, that drive, that score by Northern Colorado, and what do you think happened? I have no clue. I was yelling at the screen, like I said in the the other podcast we did. Uh, maybe I'm seeing it wrong. Maybe we're just, I feel like we're just not being aggressive. We're not blitzing. We're not, I don't know. It's just all of a sudden we're just become vanilla. And it's very confusing to me. I, I don't have the eye for it. I don't see what we're doing defensively. So I just, kind of just like what's going on why are we being aggressive right here and why are we letting them um do maybe maybe UNC found something that they could exploit vegan said something about it today uh, and we fixed it and so we made some adjustments but Ryan I guess it feels like maybe that's been kind of a trend right yeah this was done in a different way though we've been kind of doing that soft zone that you have you and I've been harping on but I don't know what this one just felt different. We just felt like flat footed, caught off guard. They ran some like counters to like the weak side and there was just nobody there for their running backs. This is like he cut over. He, we, they sealed the edge and then uh, he was just out in the open and had an easy 10, 15 yard gain several times. It was a little bit different than we've seen. I don't know. Northern Colorado must have seen something that they could exploit. And, and obviously we're a good enough team and a coaching staff to seal it up. And one touchdown drive is not going to kill us in the, in the grand scheme of things. But uh it was, a, it was an odd drive, and I'm just hope, I'm glad to see that we buttoned it up and got the uh, second half under control there. All right. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the defense. What were some defensive highlights from the game? Danny Yu. Man, he uh, came <laughs> in for uh, Trey Anderson, like you said. Didn't play the entire second half, I don't think. He got some time in the first half, too, Danny Yu did. And what did he end up with, like nine tackles, I think? I don't mm-hmm. have the stats in front of me here, but... Uh, I was super impressed with him, and we're going to need him with Nolan Askelson on the shelf. So we need a third linebacker who can come in and produce, and uh, it was really good to see him uh, kind of break out a little bit. I particularly like our, our third down package that we move Amandre inside and we put Brody Greeby on the outside. Brody Greeby seems to be having kind of some success a there. breakout year almost. Yeah. He's a young guy too, so he's just got years ahead of him. <laughs> We're gonna just watch him progress. I love, I love seeing that. I love the interceptions. I loved uh, Zambrano. Um, you know, he probably should have gotten beat on that, but he recovered enough and used his length, which is you know is one of his biggest assets. Obviously, he's six one or whatever he is, so he's a, good to see him like really make a play and actually. That was actually a pretty critical time in the game, too. So he made a big play at a big time in the game, and that ended up being a 14-point swing. Like, if that ball is one foot over his head, 
It's a touchdown for the Bears, and all of a sudden it's 20 to 14 right before halftime. A steady interception and returns it all the way down to their side of the field, and we score a touchdown. Um, so it was a really good play by him. And I don't remember the other interceptions off the top of my head, um, but, you know, just the fact that we got three interceptions, you know, I loved seeing that. I loved turnovers. Like turnovers are going to take you to that next level, taking care of the ball and forcing turnovers. You got to have both, and, and we're doing a great job of that so far. And we did a great job against the Bears. Well, Kata led the team with 10, 10 tackles. He did have an interception in the fourth quarter. Callahan O'Reilly had an interception in the first quarter. Those were a couple of his Zambrano there. Those were our interceptions against McCaffrey. The defense, man, they've just been playing fast and furious. They fly to the ball. They have fun. They look like they talk trash. I like that. I don't know if Coach Vegan likes that, but I think he does. <laughs> I think They got swag. Yeah, what do you listen yeah, when coach, when you listen to Coach Vegan, he's just like, yeah, well, you know, we're just gonna keep it, play with our pads, let the pads do the talking. You wonder what so, he's like though behind closed doors. So I think he might, be yeah, a little bit more I, a little bit more open yeah. to it than he lets on in the media. It's kind of my, well, he was a player. He knows what goes yeah. on between the that's, lines. That's, he that's knows true. what goes on. He knows. <laughs> All right. You know, one last thing I want to say about the game is I just want to give props to. Uh, kicker Blake Glessner. He was four for four. He nailed some really important points for us when M- Montana State was stalling out on offense. And so uh, kudos to him. A little bit kind of a caveat there. Montana State, I, I wish they would be a little bit more aggressive a couple times with some of their play calling. MSU was surprisingly, um, f- I think, first in red zone scoring percentage this year. But it felt like they struggled a little bit in this game. Like they got down and they had to kick a few field goals when they should have um, not had to do that. And I think that's what we talk, kind of talked about. The game felt like it should have been a much bigger point differential than it was because uh, whatever reason, we couldn't quite punch it in. Northern Colorado was able to keep the drives and, and force some field goals. But yeah, kudos to Blake Glessner, man. He has been a revelation this year. He's only missed, I think, two kicks and they may have both been blocked. <laughs> like it's He's been a stud, man. And uh, four field goals and four PATs, four for four, um, somehow doesn't get you player of the week in the Big Sky Conference. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. The kicker from uh, Eastern got it for his whopping two field goals he made. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Man, yeah, Glessner's been awesome. All right. We did have some other takes on this game. And like I said, we did this episode the R&R After Dark, if you want to go back and listen to those takes, they are they are fresh. <laughs> and they are... They fresh are, out of the oven. There you go. I do have some parting thoughts on Northern Colorado, though. All right, give them to me. I have none. It has nothing to do with the schemes or anything like that. Northern Colorado is a dirty team. <laughs> I had to say it, man. I, did not, I was not impressed with the way that they played. They were flopping, trying to get some calls. I thought they, that hit on Willie Patterson on the punt, about the dirtiest play you'll see in football. I want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt and think that he thought that he caught it, but man, he, he there's no way. He, he knew what he was doing. He creamed him before the ball got there. The whole thing about uh, Max McCaffrey potentially throwing a, a clipboard into the stands at a heckler. <laughs> My, man, I was just not impressed. Like I was not impressed from the get-go on how they presented themselves, how they carried themselves on the field. The very first play of the game, their wide receiver caught that like 
that 40 yard pass from McCaffrey, which is like the only play of the day, he was like pointing to his muscle. Like, I don't know, just flexing and pointing to his muscle. That whole team just kind of irritated me and rubbed me the wrong way. So if that's how McCaffrey is going to run his show, I'm not impressed. But yeah, I just got to have a p- final parting thought on that because I was not impressed with, with their behavior on the, on the field. You ready to move on? That's to all I have. Poly- we, can, we can move on. So long fighting McCaffrey's. And hopefully one of them's not suspended for throwing a clipboard. Or if he did, he should be suspended. Anyway, Cal Poly. <laughs> yeah, let's do a short preview on Cal Poly. Let's do it. We're getting along here. So let's uh let's talk about Cal Poly. Any what are your opening thoughts on this? My my thoughts are initially looking at the stats, Cal Poly's awful. I mean, <laughs> they are last in point differential. Negative 139 points. They're last in yardage differential. Negative 1,053 yards. They've only scored 66 points all season, and 28 of those came against San Diego. They haven't scored more than 14 points in the last four games. Um, they're giving up 41 points a game, and they've only scored nine touchdowns all year. And we're probably going to lose because I said all that. What do you think? <laughs> I don't have much thoughts on Cal Poly. I think it's cool that they have Bo Baldwin back in the helm. I think he's a good coach. He will eventually get this turned around. It's just some growing pains going from the triple option to Bo Baldwin's system. I'm glad we're not playing some weird flex defense or some weird offense that we have to prepare for. I'm not, glad we're not playing the triple that, option. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm glad we're not playing in California. So uh, it's another home game for us. And... Yeah, that's really it, man. You're right. We probably should beat Cal Poly. I, I hate making predictions. I don't like seeing that. It's just a little bit of a, a thing for me. They have, when I was doing a little bit of research on them, it seems like they have kind of a, a bit of a, a quarterback carousel. It seems like they're landed on a guy named Spencer Brash, who used to be a Cal Bear, and he's only a sophomore. So uh he's been doing okay like like you said they're really dead last in a lot of the categories that are very significant uh chris coleman is their like most productive receiver he has three touchdowns this uh this season and then another guy that just stood out to me is a guy named matt Shotwall, who is their linebacker who's going to be the guy who does all the cleanup duty for them he already has 47 tackles on the season. Uh, he's got to be related to the, the, the other shot wells who played at Cal Poly, right? Do you have his bio up? Because they had that uh, shot well guy who won like the Buck Buchanan Award like in the back in the Creamer era. Huh. It's, it it's does got, ring a bell. It's got to be a, it's got to be a lineage there for sure. Can't be a son too soon, right? That's got to be too soon. <laughs> you never know. Um yeah, I mean, I mean, sure, they have some playmakers. I think Brent Vegan in the press conference said today that they might, you know, they're preparing for almost like five quarterbacks. I think you mentioned that the Cal transfer, but I think he's hurt, possibly. I think he had been getting the reps. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. It's, it's pretty hard to find some information on some of these teams sometime when you do, do this research. Not everyone has as much, like, content or stuff out there as the Bobcats do. If you want to go find some articles on Cal Poly, it's not always as easy as it could be for if you're playing a bigger time opponent. I mean, what are you expecting from this game? What are you hoping to see from the Bobcats? Let's frame it that way. See, that's yeah. I guess that's what I. It feels like just like the, another game that feels a repeat of the last four games. 
I don't know. I think Montana State's been just blowing the competition out of the water, and rightfully so. It's been it's been good because Montana State's been able to get a lot of backups in, and I really like how Vegan and Company substitute. Like Chilton Company would just like take all the starters out, and they would put the twos in. And right now, I feel like Vegan kind of mixes the starters and the twos together. I like that model a little bit better. So what I'm hoping to see is. Montana State to take an early lead, you know, have the game in hand in the second quarter, and then by the third quarter, just, again, just substituting a lot of guys in, getting a lot of playing time. And so we're going into Weber, having lots of reps for everybody ready to play. I mean, that's really my number one point, and you hit the nail on the head there. I want to see our starters get as much rest as they possibly can for a short turnaround game on a Friday game, on a road game against a team that's having, coming off a bye week. So you want to keep the guys as fresh as you can. You know, I don't care if we win this game 21 to 17. You know, a win's going to be a win in the grand scheme of things. I mean, obviously you want to see improvement in a lot of the areas that we struggled with against Northern Colorado. No more miscommunications um, from whoever on the field. We had several of those um, against Northern Colorado. I just want to, you know, execution better. I want to see us can, uh, clean up some of those personal fouls, but mostly I just want to see, you know, get those guys the rest that they need to be able to come down the stretch that starts next week with Weber State. So I, I really, I don't like to um, be dismissive of opponents on this on this show, but I mean, I don't see how Cal Poly can really keep in striking distance with the Bobcats if, if, if things go the way that they're supposed to. This feels like an end of the first season and then the start of the second season. It does. It does. It's like this weird preseason where we had like the opening challenging game in Wyoming, and it's just kind of been a series of uh, underwhelming, um, very outmatched opponents. And we'll see what the Bobcats are actually made of. And we talked about this, uh, and we alluded to it earlier. Are we going to talk about that? Are the Bobcats like paper tigers and we haven't really played anybody? I know you've had some stats that you researched for this talking point, or you think we've... Uh, is it too late now? We've this episode's going too long already, and you just want to shelve it. <laughs> I think I've given you all my important stats right now, so <laughs> I don't have anything else to say on I that. I thought you had uh, Bill Lamberty look up some information for your talking points. <laughs> oh yeah, so I, I do want to give uh, Bill a <laughs> shout out. Bill helped me out in a pinch today because I was wondering about you know the the upcoming stretch, and I'll be brief on this. You know, everybody knows the upcoming stretch for Montana State is just a ridiculous road challenge. We play Eastern, Weber, Montana, all on the road. And so it got me thinking, I was like, previous regime, how did we do? How do how were we against ranked teams? And so uh Bill Bill got back to me and under Jeff Choate, we were eight and twelve against FCS ranked teams. And we were one in eight against top 10 FCS teams. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's really not surprising. I mean, it's easy to sit there and remember how good we were in 2019. And, but those first two years were terrible. <laughs> so, so it's I'm like just, two different big, eras. Yeah. So my big question is, is like, how are vegan and company going to do when we, when we come to these games? And my gut feeling, Ryan, is better. I like the preparation I've been seeing from Coach Vegan. And I just feel like he's 
he doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. And I think the team just follows that. I think that's better overall. I, I think mean, that's so a far- winning. I think that's a winning like formula for us. Yeah. Because really, honestly, when you when you get really high and you ride that momentum, you can crush teams. But then there's the the lows that come with that, and then you get destroyed. Yeah. This yeah. this middle average man, I feel like that's where that's where we're at. We're much more consistent at the moment, and uh, you know, yeah, this is kind of what we're talking about. Our, is it really fool's gold at this point? You know, I'm really liking what I'm seeing, but we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And that's really what it yeah. boils down to. There's been plenty of times in the past and under multiple different coaching staffs where we've struggled against a team like Northern Colorado. We struggled against a team like Drake. I mean, we've been doing what we're supposed to be doing, and that's why we're a 10th ranked team right now. Because we've been just blowing the doors off of overmatched opponents. Um, we haven't been tested Yet, outside of like, obviously the FPS game is always kind of a toss away game, but you know, that's coming up, but we can't overlook Cal Poly and I'm hoping that we just come out and uh, do what we need to do and take care of business and take down the Mustangs. All right. Well, I think that's all we have on Cal Poly. Any parting thoughts on the Mustangs? Mustang Sally? No, none for me, buddy. I'm ready to get it going. Let's, uh, can't wait to watch again on Saturday. Day. I love ball every Saturday. It feels so good. Feels so good. I know. Football season, man. Never taking it for granted again after la- after not having it last year. I will I mean never not that I ever do, but I'm extra enjoying it this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's get into these golden coolie questions. And then if we have some time, I'm gonna sneak in some by ourselves. We gotta do some bold, bold predictions. Prediction. Let's so we're talking about Cal Poly, I guess. Let's do the bold prediction because I assume the bold prediction is about Cal Poly. What's yours? All right, I'm gonna go first. I think El- Elliot and Afonse both go for over a hundred one more time. One more time, okay. Oh, the see the way I think uh, my bold prediction was gonna be that the the first team defense pitches a sh- complete shutout. Um I think we're going to be subbing people left and right here, so I have to completely change my my uh, bold prediction. So, uh, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to have to stick with it because I can't think of anything better. Uh, first team offense com- pitches a complete shutout. No field goals, no nothing. Zero, zero points. First team defense. First team defense. I said offense, didn't I? You did. Yeah. You know what I mean. Listen to what I mean and not what I say fully. <laughs> I've, I've picked up on that over the years. <laughs> All right. So those are bold predictions. What was your bold? We didn't have bold predictions last week. We can't recap, did we? We've completely Good. forgot it last week. Wah, wah. Need a sound effect for that. Bleeding blue. First golden coolie question. Let's kick it off. Of the three remaining home games, do we win any of them by less than 28? And if so... Who? So we got Cal Poly coming up. We got Idaho State, and then we got Idaho. I'm going to say, I don't think we beat Idaho by 28. We have a very good chance of beating Idaho State by 28. I have no idea if we will. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll beat Cal Poly by 28. So Idaho, probably the only one who's going to be within that distance there. I would agree with that. Depends, though. Idaho might have given up by then. Who knows? But Idaho has always been kind of a tough game for us. And they had a good game against UC Davis, so they might be yeah. on the up and up. They're always they always play well against games that they think are important. <laughs> they don't play well against Northern Colorado. Helena Cat ninety five 
has one of my favorite questions. He said, which MSU coach, past or present, is most or least likely to break a clipboard and throw it? Oh, that's, that's Tim Cramsey, man. Cramsey would absolutely break a <laughs> break a clipboard in half and throw it in the crowd. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't even think of Cramsey. When I first got to school in 2001, we had a defensive line coach, the guy that got busted for meth. I can't remember his oh, name. Oh, jeez. You going to go there? Yeah, that's where you're going to go with this question? Oh, so when when I, when I first started going to school, when you and I first started going to school, no one went to the football games. And so I was always front and center, like 50-yard line, right in front of the team. And I would watch this guy, Coach, uh, like Adam Cordero and company on the sidelines. And he was intense. Like, <laughs> like I'm glad. Like if you would have heard what he said, it would make you blush because it was, <laughs> it was, it was terrible. But he, yeah, that guy would totally break a clipboard and throw it into the crowd. He was so, man, that guy was juiced all the time. I think Probably Ty Gregrak might be in the conversation there. <laughs> Maybe a younger Ty Gregrak. Maybe not the defensive coordinator version of the of the Ty Gregrak, but I think a younger position coach would have. Bobcat fan, one, two, three. How much was Troy paid by the Rock and Hard Bar to do that god awful commercial that they always play on the big screens on commercial breaks? Was he compensated enough to account for how much grief he must get from his teammates every time it's played? I don't know how much he's paid, but Troy Anderson, I don't think he cares. I don't think he cared how much it got paid. I don't care. I don't think he gets embarrassed. He's a guy who does things purposely to be comedic. He got that little Fu Manchu thing going this year. He's petting the the stuffed bobcat two years in a row on like his run out video thing. <laughs> I just think he's I think he's kind of a goofy guy who does does things to get laughs. And uh, not that he did this to get laughs, but I'm saying that people are laughing at it. I don't think he cares one bit. <laughs> he has like this fifth quarter at the Rock and R. I think that's his uh, ad right there. He touched down. I've been wondering what that is. <laughs> like, do people just line up to shake his hand? Does he is he sending no, autographs there? To the bar? No, he's, he's not hanging out the R bar. I think he is. Like he says, join me for the fifth quarter. I think he yeah, has the obligation all, to go no, to the R bar. Yeah, <laughs> no, the people. No, he's not there. <laughs> we should have gone to the R bar when we were in town afterwards and you know, see Troy Anderson was there. I'm pretty sure he's not. Pretty sure he's not. Troy was going to be here. Come on, where's Troy Anderson? <laughs> You guys are littering our golden coolie questions with a whole bunch of like just comments. All right, keep them keep them to the question. Actually, people. find a question. First one to find it. Was All right, I got fired. I got a good one uh, from Indy O four seven nine. How short does a DB need to be before he throw a jump ball to Jaden Smith in the end zone? Can I just say preach, brother? Because I've been waiting for that all season long. I how short. Uh, Six foot? I mean, Jaden Smith still has got five inches on him. Every single cornerback in the league is the answer. They're all short enough. He should be throwing that <laughs> jump ball up to Smith over anybody. Nobody's got a, anything over a 6'1 corner in the big sky, I doubt. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. It's hard It's hard to utilize that when McCutcheon is doing such a damn good job. So that's all I got to say. Good question, though. I want to see it more. It seems like an obvious play. All right, Teton, Teton Cat's got several questions. Do you want to pick one? I'm just trying to weed through all the re- replies to all these. 
Teton Cat asked us, was the hit on uh, the punt return attempt by Willie Patterson the dirtiest hit, the dirtiest play you've ever seen against the Cats? I mean, nothing else coming to mind. Nothing else really is just jumping out to me as a dirty play. It was it was terrible. So I, I'll suggest just because nothing else is coming up to my mind. But that was that was terrible. Yeah, no comment. You should be ashamed of that. <laughs> How do you look yourself Hardy's, in the mirror? Was Hardy's hit on the kickoff the best hit of the game? Yeah. Every game, man. Every game, Hardy on kickoff coverage is just murder somebody. <laughs> This is the best one yet. He just killed that guy. I love it, man. I don't know. I don't know how much I love having your starting defensive end on kickoff coverage, but it's he's just laying out people, so you know it's working. I just don't want him to get hurt out there. But <laughs> yeah, that's the best hit of the game. All right, Thorning, we got to pick one to send a golden coolie for. I think I know. We got more questions. All right, tell me. Yeah, one more. more. He said it might be too late to make it on the podcast, but here goes. Joe Bobcat asks us, next week's game against Weber State is on Friday night, which gives us a short time to prepare. What changes to the normal schedule do you make, and when do you travel down to Ogden? <laughs> I mean, so he's, he's the last time we played Weber at in Bobcat Stadium? Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. I mean, that's all I really want to do with the change of the schedule is just make it so that you're rotating every year, that you're not that you're not going to the same venue two times in a row. Whether that's over a span of three years or four years, just that you don't have two straight trips to one area. It's it should always be back and forth, even if you don't play them for three years. Like <laughs> you play them in 2017 in Ogden, 2022 should be in Bozeman. <laughs> I know, I know, it's not that simple, but uh, that's the only change I have. It sucks that they have a bye week before the Friday game, so I think that's kind of crappy. We talked about that, but for, as far as changes go, I'm not even going to pretend to know the the ins and outs of scheduling. I wouldn't want that job in a 13 team conference. <laughs> All right, Thorny, I'm going to pick ND0479. That guy's given us a couple questions over the last couple weeks, and I know he doesn't have a golden coolie, so I'm going to send him the golden coolie. Atta boy. Woo! <laughs> All right. <laughs> Indy 0479. One of the weirdest names out there, but that that is a good question. I love – I think you were pandering to me, man. You know I have a Jaden Smith soft spot <laughs> in uh, in my heart. All right. Let's get out of this. This mother here. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Like Ryan said, the this only gotten better this year. People interact with us more. It's been totally awesome. Um, find us on Twitter or our CatCast. That's the best place to interact with us. Good thing we're not on Facebook or Instagram really at all because those both went away for half the day. Twitter's where it's at. You can find us on Bobcat Nation. We got uh, the Golden Cooley thread. We also have our recurring R&R CatCast thread where I post updates to the episodes and all that. And uh, thanks again to Jeremiah Johnson for being our sponsor. And let's get out of here with the Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats.